We're not doing this to embarrass anybody, but it talks about in James chapter 5, those who are not feeling well, call upon the elders to come and pray. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that the power of your word is still very evident even today. You've done great and amazing things. You have moved in our lives in ways that if we would take inventory, we would be totally amazed at what you've done. And yet we find ourselves in these moments of weakness, these moments of illnesses. Some doctors are perplexed. Others know exactly what needs to be done, but yet it has not yet been accomplished. So this morning as we surround these, both Nathan and Gloria, we ask, O oh God, that you would just minister to them. Maybe speak to them in a still small voice, maybe encourage them through your word or, or through the, the card of someone, maybe even this morning, encourage them to know that you still care. And let them know that they can rely upon you. And when everything else seems to be going wrong, they can look to you who are never wrong, they can stand upon you as a foundation that never quivers. And they can literally release their lives into your care for you cares for them. And in moments of when the doctors are perplexed, I ask, O oh Lord God, that through the presence of your Holy Spirit that you would speak to these physicians. First, remind them that you are the great physician. For it is you that can heal just by speaking, let it be done. It is you, O oh Lord God, that I ask that you would move into the mind and hearts of the physicians who tend to these two wonderful people here. And though Barb is not with us, I pray, O oh God, that you would enwrap her with your presence and let her know exactly what Nathan and Gloria are experiencing here this morning the care the reaching out of your people to minister to them in this manner this morning may you O oh God do that which is beyond our even our imagination I pray for a healing of Nathan. And the fact that he is even here this morning is a great testimony of you already moving and doing that which physicians don't know what yet to do. The glory is here this morning, even though she is walking with pain, but yet she's here. And that is a testimony, Lord, of her life. In the stillness of her life, she is saying, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord no matter what. 
And I know Barb, if she could be here, she too would be standing with a testimony that says, over the years, our God has been faithful. So Heavenly Father, you move. You minister in ways that go beyond our understanding. You bring about healing. You bring about direction, that which gives you the glory. And may you, O Heavenly Father, receive the praise from the lips of these three. Receive the praise that comes from seeing our great God do great things. We declare that you are awesome, O Lord. There is none like you. All of earth declares your glory. And this morning, we too want to declare that you are God. And there's none like you. So you move, you minister, O Lord God. You do that which you see fit to do. And we will praise you. For you alone are worthy. And we'll thank you in the matchless name of Christ our Savior. Amen. Join with me. Give a praise offering to the Lord this morning. Will you? Our God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you for being a part of this opportunity. Continue to remember them in prayer. Drop them an encouraging line. Let them know that you're praying for them, that we'll see what the Lord God will do. Thank you for being a part of that. We find ourselves in the second installment of a faith that goes the distance. And we're going to speak this morning about a faith that leaves a legacy. Faith that leaves a legacy. How does that happen? What must take place for that to happen? And, and we have a choice each and every day to leave a legacy. And there are two legacies that you can leave, one of positive and one of negative. That's all we have to leave. This morning, I want to share with you from the scriptures our very first, if you will, story encounter from the book of Hebrews chapter 11 when we look at the life of Abel and Cain. Abel and Cain. When it got to that time when I asked my father-in-law, at that time I only knew him as Mr. McCoy, I never dared call him dad up to that point because I wasn't in that kind of a relationship, but I respected him that much that I called him Mr. McCoy, and I said, I'd like to ask you permission to, to marry your daughter, Nancy. He thought for a while before he answered, and I didn't know if that was good or bad. But, uh, but in order to gain, if you will, in order to be able to give to my wife, at the, uh, future wife at that time, an engagement ring, I mowed a cemetery. The cemetery, if I mowed it all that year, would have given me enough to pay for a, an engagement ring. 
So my wife is wearing an engagement ring on the back of dead people. That was big money back then in 1974. $150 to mow a cemetery that no one's going to complain about? You can't beat that with a stick. But as I was mowing, I, I took it upon myself to <clears throat> try to find the, the oldest grave that is there. The oldest grave that rests at Denison Corners Community Cemetery is listed by the date of 1824. I never found anything written. You know, sometimes you can find epitaphs that are written on, on stones that sort of describe, sort of give you an idea of the life of the person who lies beneath that stone. But there have been individuals who have traveled this world and have made it their life's gain, I guess, to read epitaphs. Some of them go like this. He meant well, tried a little, failed much. Beneath this sod, this lump of clay, lies Annabella Young, who, on the 24th of May, began to hold her tongue. One final one is very simple. The defense rests. The defense rests. And in doing this study and, 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 and coming to a, a thought that came to my mind, what would I like to find on my tombstone? Now, we're not talking about a pizza a tombstone pizza that a commercial years ago said, what would you like on your tombstone? We're not talking about a pizza. We're talking about a statement that identifies a legacy. I think of anything that I would like to see is, number one, I don't want to have a tombstone. I want to go home. And maybe even today, Jesus will say, children, come on home. But if the Lord would tarry and there would be a tombstone, all I would like to have it set on it is finally home. That's all. God wrote, a to, wrote an epitaph for Abel. And it's recorded for us because it tells us of a legacy, a faith that left a legacy. It's in Hebrews chapter 11, and it's verse 4. Hebrews 11 and verse 4. God wrote this epitaph. Not man. God did. And he says this. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying his gifts, and through it, this is what God writes. Being dead still speaks. 
Abel, it says, led a righteous life. So dynamic that God wrote, though he's dead, yet it still speaks today. To understand the full context of of what is happening here in this writing, you have to understand that the children, uh, that the nation of Israel, the first century church, if you will, made up of those individuals who have come out of the Hebrew culture into what is called Christianity, began to wonder, is it worth it all? And throughout the book of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews is drawing their attention to things that would remind them that following Jesus Christ is well worth the issues of life. And he comes to writing of Hebrews chapter 11, and he's talking about a faith that goes beyond our own circumstances, if you will. It was a faith that we described last week that is to be an evidence of yet things that are going to be. In other words, we as believer people should be wearing and should be living, if you will, a faith that points people to what is yet to come, namely salvation in Jesus Christ alone, with the hope of spending eternity with him. It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Faith is an action. It's something that we must do in order to highlight, in order to glorify our great God. So knowing that we're looking at Abel, we need to turn to Genesis chapter 4. Because here we get the full account of what the writer of Hebrews is talking about in the life of Abel. So in Genesis chapter 4, and we'll be just looking at very quickly at verses 1 through 10. Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. Cain and Abel are the offspring, if you will, of Adam and Eve. They're not in the garden at this time, so Cain and Abel would have had no understanding of the pleasantness of the garden. But what they are is you'll see they do have occupations. It says that Abel is a keeper of flocks. He's a shepherd. And Cain is a tiller of ground. He's a farmer. Both of them brought an offering to God. In fact, for trivial pursuit, if you're interested in that game, seeing that it is a table game, I have nothing to do with it, But if you want to know the first place in the Word of God where it talks about a worship service, it's Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 to 10. Because Cain, excuse me, Cain and Abel both come 
with sacrifices to God. They're worshiping God. We're not told in the text, there's nowhere in the Scripture where it even gives us an indication of who gave them this instruction of what it is to worship God. Over the years, there have been discussions from theological positions as to the extent of the offerings. Individuals that would say, well, the reason God accepted Abel's because his was a sin offering and Cain's wasn't. That's not in the text. I, I don't know if you can take it that far. You, you, you got to let the text speak. What is it saying? All that we do know is that between the two offerings, God was pleased with one and he wasn't pleased with the other. And in that, we see a faith that leaves a legacy. I want to share with you this morning three things that hinders or literally destroys a legacy of faith that we leave. The first one is traditionalism. Traditionalism. I didn't say traditions. I said traditionalism. One individual describes both when he says that traditions are the living faith of those who have died. When we, when we look back at our heritage as believers in Jesus Christ, it's not long before you see from a historical context of individuals who literally fought for the security of the word of God. They literally died for, for things that were true to Scripture. And they weren't going to back down from that. That's traditions that are good. And we all have traditions. They change as time goes on, but we remember traditions. But traditionalism is different. The same individual who said traditions is the living faith of those who have died, traditionalism is the dead faith of those who are living. That's a huge difference. Traditionalisms are riptides. I've never experienced a riptide, but they tell me that if you go to the ocean, I guess that's why I never experience them, because I don't go to the ocean. I don't need to be where there's sand, salt, and water, and air. That which you can put a brand new car on a beach, and in about five years is gone. It's all rusted out, eaten up by those corrosive things known to man. Why would I want to be there? But you, got, you that go there, you go right ahead. That's fine for you. That's fine for you. But I can't be there. But anyway, riptides, I've been told, are those undercurrents that you can't see that go contrary to the wave that comes to the shore. And they're dangerous because if you get caught in a riptide, it will pull you under the water and send you out 
into the depths that you most likely will not recover from. Riptides are dangerous. Traditionalism and a faith to leave a legacy is like a riptide. It can leave us drowning that we never recover from. I wonder in, a, in an application viewpoint when you look at Genesis chapter 4, did Cain fall into traditionalism? Traditionalism has a way of helping us to bring second best to the one who deserves the best. We become satisfied with who we are, what we are, and who God is. We, we lose the wonder of who he is. I want you to mark down these two passages, and you go back this afternoon sometime and look at them and, 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 and spend your time with God at that. That's Exodus chapter 19 and Exodus chapter 20. Moses has brought the nation of Israel out of Egypt. Now, now granted, they have already seen the Red Sea parted. They've walked on dry ground in between these two huge walls of water. And they get to the other side, and the first place that Moses takes them is to what is known in Scripture, the mountain. Moses wanted the people to see the one who's really doing the leading. And in Exodus 19 and chapter 20, it says that the mountain was covered with smoke. And there were thunderings, and there were lightnings, and there was the voice of God that was speaking. And it says in both of those chapters, twice it says, and the people trembled. They feared God. I, I believe I would too. Can I get an amen from the congregation? I, I've never heard the full voice of God. I've heard snippets of it because every time we have a thunder and lightning storm, it says, my voice thunders like the thunder from the east to the west. So every time there's a thunder, boom, I can just say, yes, Lord. Because he just spoke. Now, I don't know what he said. I'm hoping that he said, pretty soon, I'm coming. But these people trembled, and they were fearful. In chapter 20, they said, Moses... Uh, you speak for us. <laughs> you go up there. We're, we're too afraid. Traditionalism 
we lose the awesomeness of our God. Isaiah chapter 40 is a great chapter to read because God begins by saying, is there one ever like me? And he causes us to look to the stars and he says, who placed them there? And he describes who he is by saying, I can hold the oceans in my hand. And he'll not lose one drip of water. He says, I know the weight of all the mountains on the earth. Traditionalism, when it comes to a faith of legacy, we become satisfied by making God whom we want him to be instead of letting him make us into what he wants us to be. Cain lost that. Abel did not. Our offerings to the Lord coming from the ground, are, are they not accepted by the Lord? No, they are. But it has to be the best. Did Cain fall into traditionalism and said, well, these aren't going to bring me much on the market. I'll give them to God. And we do the same thing. If you want to have a legacy of faith that leaves a legacy, catch the glimpse, renew the glimpse of how great our God is. Then all of a sudden, life begins to be lived by a faith that honors and pleases Him every day. The second riptide that can rip us away from the wonder and the glory, if you will, of serving our God in order to leave a legacy, a faith that leaves a legacy, is the religious card. The religious card. We like to play the religious card. I'm sure people have, have asked you over time, what church is it that you, you go to? Be careful not to puff your chest out too much, but I'm really hoping that you say, we go to Grace Community Church. And guess what? I've heard some things about this church from not you, but people out there. Do you know that we're accused of being a cult? I said, well, if, if following Jesus is a cult, cool, I'll sign up. We've been, if you will, highlighted as being an uncaring, unfriendly church. Hmm. I, usually, individuals who make those statements have never stepped foot in the congregation. 
I would be more alarmed if those things came from a regular attender. But we play the religion card. I've heard it said, and it sort of chills my theological bone, when individuals say, oh, I've always known God. Oh, really? That's not what the Scripture says. Scripture says there was a time when you were an enemy of God. (laughs) And it's only through Jesus Christ are you now a friend of God. Oh, I've gone to church my whole life. Uh, How do you know that when you're a week old? Maybe they're expressing the fact that ever since I can remember I've been going to church, but you see where I'm going with this religious card? There aren't many legacies of faith that are highlighted just by individuals who go to church. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Forces of darkness go to church every day. And they don't change. They play their religious card. In fact, second part of that little secret is this. Evil one don't care how religious you get. (laughs) He'll encourage you to get religious. Just don't get relational with Jesus. Don't get, quote, too fanatical. Whatever that word means, I don't know. Oh, we just put hands on people this morning. Oh, my word. We're too fanatical. No, we're not. James tells us to do that. To do that. Don't play the religious card about just going to church and showing up for church. Cain played a religious card. He brought an offering to God. He thought it was okay. But the third thing got him, envy. The third riptide is envy. We call it covetousness. We want what other people have. It's sad to say that the church is guilty of that too because what other larger churches are doing, smaller churches are saying, we need to do that in order to get like them. No. You just need to know what God wants you to do. Cain became envious. How do I know that? Are are you still in Genesis 4? Let let me point this out to you. Genesis chapter 4. Let me just pick up the context of verse 5. The answer is in verse 6. But God, he did not respect Cain and his offering. 
And Cain was what, everybody? Very angry, and his countenance fell. And so the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why has your countenance fallen? Here's the answer. If you do well. If you do well. Will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you. But you should rule over it. Envy. Cain was angry that he was not accepted. His sacrifice was not accepted by God. Well, you took his and you wouldn't take mine? That's not fair. Gloria may be saying, He's got a good hip. How come I don't have one? Nathan could be saying, My brother, he's a lot worse than me. How come I'm sick and they're not? I know, Nathan, you would never say that. I understand that, brother. I understand that. But you understand the illustration. How come I've got cancer? And I've been serving God all of my life. And that person out there, they can do what they want, and they're fine. Envy. Envy destroys our relationship between us and God because we're more content in comparing ourselves to people instead of who God is. Cain was angry. But in this text, we are awakened to a daily battle no matter who you are in Jesus Christ. And the battle is this. Will I serve God or will I let sin master me? If you do well, won't you also be accepted? John records us for us in 1 John chapter 3. You go back and check the text. That he warns us, do not be like Cain. Because Cain was evil. Cain was evil. And because of his evilness, his actions of evilness, God disregarded his sacrifice. To leave a legacy, first of all, 
a legacy, a faith that leaves a legacy, is this, is where's God in your life? Are you living to honor him or are you living to honor yourself? We read God's epitaph for Abel where God said he was a righteous man and though he is dead he still speaks the the account for us today is this Abel's life and what he did for God proves one thing that living a faith of legacy can cost you everything that you have. But I'm here to tell you, it's well worth the price. Many of you have heard of an individual by the name of Ravi Zacharias. In fact, Ravi Zacharias and his life, of his legacy, began that he was born into a family of Hindu priests. The caste system of India, he was in the upper echelon. It was in his late teens that Ravi Zacharias came to know and to trust Jesus Christ by faith as his only hope for eternal life. And he left India and went to Canada to begin his educational pursuit. He had been away from home for near on 30 years, and he and his wife went back to renew the acquaintances, to hopefully, they said, to share the gospel with his parents and have them come to know Jesus Christ. But there was a God, there was a grandmother that Ravi Zacharias remembers, but doesn't fully understand her role in his life. And so they, they went to her grave. In fact, no one had visited her grave for over 30 years. As Ravi Zacharias and his wife got to the grave, they asked the individual there that takes care of the stones to clean it up. He took a brush and some water and sand, and he scraped the tombstone that marked the place of his grandmother. And, and as the inscription came more and more aware, Ravi Zacharias's wife gasped for air. And she said, look what is written. What was written is this. Because I live, you shall live also. Unbeknownst to Ravi Zacharias, and a legacy that he not yet fully understood, his grandmother infiltrated his life in such a dynamic way 
that now he, used by God, is one of the leading apologists that travels all over the world to defend the claims of the Word of God. And his grandmother pointed the way because what was said, Jesus said, because I live, you shall live also. What would people write about you? Can it be something as simply as finally home? I don't know. But it may do us well, periodically, to walk through Hebrews 11, the cemetery of faith, and see what God says about people who will live for him. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you. With all pretense put aside, we thank you that this life of faith is a continual journey that can impact people powerfully as we let the gospel radiate through us. May individuals see you and not us. Some of us may have gotten off on the exit of traditionalism or playing the religion card or even envy. And those have gotten us off of vision and focus of who you are. Bring us back, O oh God. May your word become that feast that would satisfy us every day. May the stars at night gather our thoughts to how one day we will stand before the one who not only created the stars but knows them by name and yet to realize that he knows my name. How awesome you are. May you, O oh Lord God, Become the one that we compare ourselves to, and we know we fall short. But may we strive to live a life of faith, a life that we walk by faith and not by sight, but a life that would leave a legacy that maybe, just maybe, someone down the road will see you and the legacy we live. And we'll thank you and praise you in your name. Amen.